Welcome to the Holden Village Podcast. Holden is a community of education, programming, and worship located in the remote wilderness of the Cascade Mountains. These snapshots provide a glimpse into the learnings taking place in our community. Let's tune in to this week's highlight. My name is Padraig Tuma. I'm from Cork in the very south coast of Ireland. I live in Belfast now. I've lived there for 15 years. Um, I'm number three of six kids and um, so growing up Catholic and in a busy house with lots of people and um, those things have formed me really. I grew up with Irish and English as well. Um, Irish was a very important language in the family and um, the Irish education system has you learning poetry in English and Irish really from the, the week you start school till the week you end. Poetry was always part of the school curriculum and that has um, stayed with me. I've always loved poetry. I started to write at the age of about 11. Terrible, terrible poetry, really predictable. But I still have some of those awful poems that I'll never show anybody. Um, but they were important because they were the beginning of a creative process. They started to turn to poetry more and more as you kind of drag yourself through the difficult years of teenagerhood and found unexpected echoes. I used to read ahead in my poetry books in school to think which of these um, really strike me. I used to set some of them to music so it would make it easier to learn them off by heart. And Similarly with poems from Lord of the Rings, I would put some of them to music, some of the poems from the elves, and ways within which they would capture the imagination and help lift you out of your own circumstances. And when I left home at the age of 18, I had a bit of a nomadic decade. I um, lived in Dublin and then also worked in Lithuania and the Philippines and Uganda and uh, bits of work in England and Scotland as well, which was uh, great. I had never really travelled before and had always wanted to always wanted to live in the wide world. I moved overseas then for five years to Switzerland and Australia and really never imagined I'd ever move home to Ireland. Um, but I got very sick and <laughs> needed to move home to Ireland. And uh, that was a complicated thing to, to be a, a returning migrant. Um, when I had always imagined that I would be Irish overseas. And I quite liked being Irish overseas. Like, I didn't want to deny my Irishness. I just didn't want to be Irish in Ireland. Um, and so, like lots of people, I had to make the journey home. Um, I moved to Belfast. And that was a, an intriguing move because I'd travelled in so many places and loved different culture. But moving to Belfast in the north of Ireland, um, in a place where um, some people would say we're in Ireland, some people would say we're in the United Kingdom, a conflicted space, a place where border has caused terrible division, a um, place where some people would say, oh God, you're just a local. And to me and other people would say, um, you're a foreigner. That really confronted me deeply. And so um, I think I've been alert to difference. I'm gay and so I'd always found myself in circles of religion where people were either anything from kind of awkward to hostile about um, LGBT people. And then this seemed to be magnified then moving, living in the north of Ireland, where as somebody from the Republic uh, with a name like mine, which is so obviously Irish, and um, the assumption correct would be that I'm Catholic as well. Th those things just put you into spaces of um, contested territory and identity and politics and belonging and language. Um, so I quickly began to work with the Carmela community, a uh, community of peace and reconciliation, begun in 1965, who do um, extraordinary work really in um, the community. We have a residential centre on the north coast of Ireland, working with about 10,000 people a year in programmes of peace and reconciliation, and then work out in the community as well. Um, and the Carmela community is a loose um, religious community also. People in their ordinary lives will make um, commitments every year to fold reconciliation into their lives and fold time, financial 
and um, skill-based assistance to the work of Corrymeela. Um, so I worked as poet in residence for about eight years with Corrymeela and then four years ago became the leader of the Corrymeela community. So um, it's been a great joy and has been a place where my interests in religion and art and language and conflict have all been able to gather together. Because certainly for me, all of those things have the quality of um, words and the, the truth that words matter. Corrymeela community is just simply named uh, for the townland where our, our building is. In Ireland, every about six fields is called a townland. There's not a town on it. It's just the name on the Ordnance Survey maps for a really small packet of land. And so the packet of land upon which our residential building is, is called Corrymeela. It's an old, old Irish word. And in 1965, when it was founded, somebody said, um, what does it mean? And some naive idiot said, oh, Hill of Harmony. I have no idea where they pulled that from. Certainly not any piece of accuracy. And people we're delighted, God Almighty, a reconciliation centre built, built on the Hill of Harmony. Thrilled. There was a book written about it now called Hill of Harmony. Um, anyway, in 1975, an actual etymologist of Old Irish, because Old Irish is as removed from contemporary Irish as Old English is oh, from contemporary English, an actual etymologist said, well, no, no, it doesn't mean Hill of Harmony. It's actually hard to know what it means. But looking at the earliest records of how, where it's occurred in the annals of the, of the to local area in the, the oldest writings, it probably means something like lumpy crossing place. And by that stage, tensions had broken out. Hundreds and hundreds of people had been murdered in the Troubles already. Um, thousands of people had been displaced. Many more thousands of people already at that stage had been bereaved by somebody that they loved being murdered or injured or disappeared. And so um, Corrymeela itself was also a place filled with tension because people approached the question about what peace looks like and what nego negotiation looks like from different points of view. And so um, realizing that we were a community named after a lumpy crossing place was a great thing because uh, I think people were like, we have absolutely no hope of succeeding in being a hill of harmony. But a lumpy crossing place, bloody hell, we're, we're fine at that. It, it did inform our, um, our spirituality, really, and our group practice. Um, in the current context in Ireland, in, we are facing into the unknown regarding Brexit um, in 1921. Ireland was partitioned and this new state called Northern Ireland was created to the joy of some and the lament of others and has been really the beginning point or one of the beginning points for much conflict and much strife. Um, the 2016 vote regarding Brexit introduces the possibility of more attention to the Irish border and our peace really has been built on that border being utterly porous and invisible. That's the language used. Um, but um, Brexit is certainly reintroducing that. Um, and in the context of my role with Corrymeela, I was aware that we needed to find some way to speak publicly about questions to do with borders and belonging. And so together with Glenn Jordan, who's been here this week with me also, um, we have developed a project called um, Brexit and the Book of Ruth, taking that extraordinary book from the Hebrew Bible of the Book of Ruth about um, displaced widowed women crossing borders, returning home, and the question as to social welfare, about the safety of a woman and her body, um, about provision, about dignity, about stereotypes between Moabites and Israelites being challenged through an individual narrative of an individual person. 
So this week, Glenn has been looking at the, the text of that extraordinary book. And I've really been doing some work um, through poetry, reading poems that respond to the narrative underbelly of the Book of Ruth. Poetry about abandonment, first of all, because there's a lot of abandonment that happens. And then the second session looked at poetry of resolve. People come into decisions in their lives that are really powerful. And then finally, poetry of creativity and community, because um, Ruth and Naomi really form this dynamic duo with creative responses, they contribute to community, not just for themselves, they do contribute to community for themselves, but they also contribute to the deepening the sense of community mm -hmm. that the people in Bethlehem have. And they begin to weave this strange Moabite woman into their story of inheritance. And so I've been using lyric poetry, the poetry of Jane Mead and Kai Miller and Mary Oliver and Patrick Cavan and some of my own as well. And lyric poetry really, carries at its heart the radical belief that the self-narrating I can have something to offer the wide world from the vantage point of your own small world. That the individual might say, I have something to say, and that it might not just be for yourself. It might somehow be a place within which many people, many peoples, find deep narrative echo of their own lives. And that in as much as the story of Ruth is a hinge upon which the Moabite-Israelite relations moved, so too the story of British-Irish relations or migrant-settled relations can hinge on radical attention of self-narration from individuals whose point of view is often diminished or ignored. And so by turning to these individual poets who have the audacity, really, to begin a poem by speaking about the I, we entered creatively into that and thought, how might that be a radical politic? One of the exercises we used was, I read a poem of mine called Postcards to a Dead Friend, which was a series of postcards I wrote to a friend who'd taken his own life. And we looked at the form of that, the repeated form, and a way within which taking form and to use that form at a repeated level can help um, explore some of the unconscious and then ask people to respond by writing postcards from Orpah to Ruth. And people wrote the most beautiful poetic postcards. I gave people five minutes, very, very short period of time. And um, then when we heard some feedback already, I think seven or eight people just read these stunning postcards filled with grief and lament and curiosity and blessing between a narrated character and a fairly quiet character. The Orpah character disappears from the scene in chapter one of Ruth. And so using art really helped explore that. And I think what we began to see is that the even the hint of this unknown character of Orpah, that she can be a place within which we begin to dignify um, what it means to be human, what it means to make a decision, what it means to be full of grief, what it means to survive. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to view the links in the description for more information or visit our website to find out more about the village. We hope you will make a pilgrimage to Holden. Blessings and peace to you.